You're listening to Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church of Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net. And thanks for joining us. We come to you and worship you this morning because you are holy. You are the God who has first loved us. And so we love you. And we are so grateful for what you've done on each of our each of us, Lord, that you have sought us and pursued us and rescued us from a life of selfishness and sinfulness and brokenness. Lord, you give us hope for the future, but you give us hope now. You are near and you are here through the power of your Holy Spirit. And so we ask that you would make your word come alive to us now. Thank you for this time of worship we've had together to seek you and experience you together. We ask that you make your word practical and applicable and powerful. Would you change us? And Lord, would you help us to remember who you are, what you've done, help us to see what you're doing and to rely on you for what you're gonna do. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. And God's people said... Amen. And you may be seated. Thank you, worship team. Thank you, thank you. That was rich. Well, again, good morning to you. I know some of you are our guests. So on behalf of everyone around you, welcome to Grace. We're really glad that you're here. Uh, My name is Jay. I'm the lead pastor. And uh, if you haven't been with us, then you haven't known that we're in a generosity series. But we are. We've taken about six weeks to look at this whole idea of generosity, this whole reality of generosity. And so the question for you as we get started this morning is when you think generosity, what is it that you immediately think of? Most of us anyway. Money, right? And we're actually going to talk about that this morning. And those of you who are guests may be thinking, of all the Sundays, I choose to come to church, they talk about money. But as we've been looking at together, generosity is, is a lifestyle. And it encompasses far more than our stuff and our money. In fact, of these six sermons, this is the only one that's focused on money. The others are focused on the realities of generosity of relationship. We looked at that the first two weeks into this series. What what does it mean to be generous in our relationships? Last week we looked at what does it mean to serve generously the way Jesus did? And then today, how how do we give generously? And next week, Gary Versiers will help us close out the series and look at what does generous time look like? What does, that, what does that look like? Because Gary and Sherry Brashears are one of the best examples I can think of of a couple who are generous with their time. So generosity really is a holistic kind of thing. But yes, we are talking about money and resources and what have you. And sometimes, depending on what kind of experience you've had in a church where this has been a discussion, um, obviously sometimes there are negative associations with that because you have felt maybe manipulated or guilted or it's been overemphasized or, or what have you. But the reality is when we talk about money, we're really talking about God. When we talk about our stuff, we're really talking about God because the reality is what we will see in part from this passage this morning is that everything you have, everything that I have, yes, including our money and our stuff, is from God. It's not just mine and it's not just yours. He's entrusted it to us. And so this morning we look at this passage that is just such a powerful one. And as I was thinking about this passage, I was just, I was thinking of something that that happened here this last couple months in the life of our family. So 
in some previous sermons, I talked about a vacation we took in, I think it was July, late June, July, yeah, July, to Idaho, and we kind of went as a family, and we were up there to see, or down there, whatever that is, to see our daughter, Kaylea, who is in grad school in Idaho, in Boise. But we went as a family to see her and to spend some time together. And our son, Kylan, and his fiance, soon to be our daughter-in-law, Emily, um, as part of that trip, decided to split off and go see some of Kylan's friends from when he went to school in Montana. And one of those friends, who's going to be his best man in his wedding here in a couple weeks, lives in um, Sheridan, Wyoming. And so they went through the, um, the Bighorn Mountains to get to Wyoming and they had just got out of the Bighorn Mountains, and they were about 30 miles from Sheridan, which is where his best man lives. And um, I get this phone call from my son, and he says, Dad, the engine on Emily's SUV just blew up. I mean, it, it, it's done. And so he called a tow truck, and tow truck came from Sheridan, which thankfully was where they were headed to anyway, so it was only 30 miles away. And one of the blessings was they had no cell reception in the Big Horde Mountains, so they had just dropped down in the cell reception when this engine blew up. Towed it into a mechanic there. He looked it over and said, yep, pronounced last right, said it's dead. It's not coming back. It's, it's done. And so what are they supposed to do? What are we supposed to do? We're in Idaho, so we're closer to them than we normally are here, but they have, they're marooned. They, they have no way to get back. And so this is where the story begins to take on some pretty amazing flavor. So it just so happened that his best man who he was visiting, his family who was there, the best man's family had some friends who had some friends visiting from Washington. And these friends from Washington have this Yukon. I think in the last service I called it a Tahoe. It's a Yukon. Had this Yukon that was still in great shape, had some mileage on it, but they had gotten a new car. And rather than selling it, they had been praying to God, who can we give this to? We want to give this to someone who it will really benefit. And so all this happened with Kylan and Emily. And so they said, we're going to help this couple out. And so they gave this Yukon to Kylan and Emily so they could get home. Who does that? Who gives a car to someone they don't know? A Jesus follower does. That's what they are. They're they're Jesus followers, just like many of us. And that's how Jesus followers can and really should live. Distinctively generous. There's no one who would hear that story who wouldn't say, presumably, wow, that's, a, that's really generous. We can all agree that was a pretty generous thing for them to do. That's the kind of life we're called to as Jesus followers, with our time, with our relationships, with how we serve, and yes, with our money and our resources. You see, Jesus talked a lot about money. In fact, if you begin to look at all the sermons he gave, the parables he told, the stories he illustrated— Money or stuff or possessions or issues related to it are in over half of his parables. Now, in fairness, some of those parables weren't about money, but he used money illustratively because it's so prominent in all of our lives. He'd use it to make a point. So the point is, yes, we're going to talk about money because we can't talk about money and possessions without talking about God. Because everything we have is from him. And so this passage we're going to go to is out of the book of 2 Corinthians. This is a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to a collection of of churches in Corinth. What we would know now as modern day Greece. 
And he's talking about this very reality of generosity. And the church in Jerusalem is struggling. They're, they're, they're literally impoverished. They're going through incredible persecution. They're um, literally beginning to starve to death because there's a famine in the region and they, th there's just not enough resources to go around. They're in dire straits. And so Paul is going to ask these Corinthian churches and another group of churches in the area called the Macedonian churches to, to basically take up an offering to help these other Jesus followers out in Jerusalem. And so it's an amazing passage and we're going to dive right on into it. And this is what he says as he calls them to generosity. He says, and now brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people, the people in Jerusalem. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then by the will of God also to us. So we urged Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. And evidently the Corinthians had been called to do this offering. They wanted to do it, but they hadn't completed it. So he goes on to say, so since you excel in everything, in faith, speech, knowledge, complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. I am not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor. So that through his poverty, you might become rich. And here is my judgment about what is best for you in this matter. Last year, you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. Now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. Our desire is not that others might be relieved while you're hard pressed, but that there might be equality. At the present time, your plenty will supply what they need so that in turn, their plenty will supply what you need. The goal is equality as it is written. And now he's reaching back hundreds and hundreds of years to the Old Testament, Exodus 16. The one who gathered much did not have too much. And the one who gathered little did not have too little. Now there is a lot swimming around in this passage and we don't have time to capture all of it, but there are some life-changing realities for you and me here about generosity. And so he calls them to be generous. And some of you, actually I think many of you, already are. Just like when we talked about serving generously last week, there are some of you who are bent this way. Your love language is to give. You demonstrate love to others by giving. And of course, that's how you want people to love you is to give back to you. But some of you are already bent this way. Some of you are gifted this way. You're not just generous. You're profoundly generous. Because one of the things that the Lord does is when you receive Jesus Christ into your life as your Lord and Savior, he takes what's there and he amplifies it. 
Some of you were already generous and he's taken that and made that a gift in your life. You are really generous. You really do give. And we pray that people like you get lots of money and make lots of money so you can give it away to the people around you. That's a pretty fun prayer to pray for people. But so some of you are hardwired this way, excuse me, wired this way. Some of you are bent this way. But this is a way of life he calls all of us to. Whether it's your love language or your gifting or not. And so this first verse where he talks about these Macedonian churches is pretty remarkable. Because they're in dire straits too, just like the Jerusalem church. And many think it's because they're Jesus followers. Because even today, in a number of cultures around the world, if you choose to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior to become his follower, you lose your family. You lose your job. You lose your community. You were literally out on the street that day on your own. There are still cultures like that today. This is the cultures that these folks were living in. You chose to follow Jesus. It costs you everything. And so you have this band of people who have nothing. It says they're impoverished. And yet they freely give. And this is what gets me. They give with joy. It says this was motivated by overflowing joy. Now we don't have time to dig into this too deeply. We could spend the whole rest of the morning talking about this. But joy is one of those things that sometimes seems kind of elusive. But it really is ours to have. And for me... There's a difference between happiness and joy. And this is just J. This isn't necessarily Bible. Because in the Bible, joy and happiness are used pretty synonymous, synonymously in the New Testament. But in my thinking, happiness is situational. There are lots of things that make me happy. Good pizza? Oh yeah, that makes me happy. A car that works when I get in it? Yeah, that makes me happy, especially when I think about what happened to my son and Emily's car. You know, I, there's lots of things that make me happy. But it's possible to have joy when things aren't so happy. When things are difficult. When things are hard. When you're in dire straits like these people were. There's still this joy. And it's a joy that comes from knowing Jesus. From having him in your life. And I think one of the realities of generous giving is, man, it's grounded in joy. It's grounded in what the Lord has done for us. And what's really encouraging to me about this is there's this reality that you're actually hardwired to be generous, regardless of whether it's already your love language or a spiritual gift that God's given you. You actually are hardwired to be generous because you and I are made in his image. And when you receive Jesus Christ into your life, you no longer have to live a selfish, self-focused, bent inward, sinful life. You begin to live out your true identity of who he really is. And we talked to who you really are. And we talked about identity last week with serving. And the same is true for here. Some of you need to remember who you really are. If you know Jesus, you are hardwired to be a generous person. Because the God who made you is generous. And you were made in his image. And he's going to take that now and begin to deepen that and call forth who you really, really are. And in a recent Barna survey of Jesus followers like you who give not just to church stuff, but just give to others. 77% of the people in this survey who are Jesus followers said, I give because of who I am. It's living out your true identity. 
That's what it means to be, to be generous. You can do this. And actually, you should do this. Because it's true to who you really are. And look what it says here. He says, they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to them. And this is talking about priority, but I, I do think there's some layers here. Have you given yourself to God? Meaning, have you had that defining moment experience that we keep talking about here where you have received Jesus Christ into your life as your Lord and Savior? Because if you've done that, you're going to change. He's going to begin to change you from the inside out, change you into the person you were always intended and created and really in your deepest heart of hearts most want to be. But then it's an ongoing process of giving yourself to the Lord, trusting him, obeying him, allowing him to work in your life. And if you begin to do that, then you begin to realize my money is not my money. My stuff is not my stuff. Everything I have is a gift from God. I have it because he wants me to have it. Which means then I have some responsibility and opportunity with it. It's not just all about me anymore. If you know Jesus, that's, that's true for you. That's, that's your story. And this is something I think we wrestle with and it's understandable. I mean, many of us, probably most of us, let's say all of us, we work hard for the things we have. We work hard at our work. We, 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 we try to be wise and save. And, and we get something and we try to take care of it. Well, it's, it's really ours. Yeah, but you have it because in the big picture, God has allowed you to have it. And if that really is true, then my money isn't just my money. My stuff isn't just my stuff. I'm managing it. I'm stewarding it. I'm using it the way God wants me to. And that's exactly how Paul is trying to inspire them, really. He's reminding them of, of that reality. And look what he says. This is an act of grace. God has given this to you. Not because you've earned it. Not because you're so great. But because he is. And he does love you. And so he, he gives this to you. And generous giving understands, a generous life understands that, that God has given us all this stuff. Four times in these opening verses, he talks about God's grace. God's grace, God's grace, God's grace, God's grace. Okay, Paul, we get it. And because it's the grace of God, it's the power for life change. He says, okay, you need to be growing in this. Did you catch this? Did you see that? Are you generous? Great. Are you more generous than you were a year ago? Are you? Are, are you more generous than you were last month? Because if you're trusting and obeying God, if you're allowing him, if you're following him, to, if you're allowing him to work in your life, this is going to grow. Okay, well, let's... Take that for a test drive. Is he talking about our attitude or is he talking about our amount? Is it the attitude of our giving or is it the amount of what we're actually giving away? And the answer? Yes. It's both. In fact, he talks far more about attitude in these verses than he does amount. Motives always matter to God. It is okay and good and necessary to be in process with this. But in the big picture, you can and should be growing in this. I can and, and you should. 
I remember some years ago talking to um, someone who was here as part of our Grace family, and they had lost their job, and um, they were just, you know, struggling with things, and we just ended up talking about giving and being generous. And I remember him saying, well, you know, I, I can't give right now. I just, I can't give anything. And I said, well, I, I get it. I understand. You're in a hard spot. Well, what do you have? Well, you know, I, I could give a dollar, but it's such a minuscule amount. Why would I do that? I said, well, why wouldn't you do that? It, it, it's not the amount. It's, it's your heart. It's your willingness to be generous. And he was ashamed that all he had was a dollar. It's like, that's not the issue. You're missing the point. God wants you to give because he's given to you. And God wants you to bless with with what he's given you. In fact, over and over again here in this passage we just read, Paul is telling the Corinthians, give out of what you have. Okay, for us, especially in our culture, we are taught and conditioned so often to focus on what we don't have. What we have isn't good enough, or we don't have enough, or we actually buy into the lie, we don't have anything we could ever give. I mean, I've got so much debt, or I've got this, or I've got that. Okay, but what, what do you have? And now we're talking more than money, right? This is, again, that holistic reality of, okay, so maybe you can't give money. Can you give time? Can you give relationship? Can you serve? There's so many ways to live generously. But yes, the context here is is money. But the good news for you and me is that you can do this. I can do this. And part of it starts from choosing to leave this poverty mentality. Well, I don't have that or I can't. and, And embracing that God has blessed us. So what, what do we have? What, 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 can, we, what can we give? And, and I love that you can learn this really at any age. This is from one of our 10-year-olds who wrote me this note given to me by her dad a couple weeks ago. She had heard the opening sermon of this, past, this message series and she said this, Lord, help me give away some of my stuff that I don't need right now. And please help me to be satisfied. Man, that's golden. Now you can't ask her to disciple you because I'm going to. You need to teach me that. Because so, af- so often not, not only am I not satisfied, but I overlook my opportunities to be generous. And her note is inspiring to me. And what Paul says here is inspiring to me. And again, he reminds us of what Jesus has done for us. Generosity is really a response to what's already been generously given to us. He reminds us, Jesus became poor so that you might become rich. Do you believe that? How often do you think about that? How often do I think about that? And what has the Lord done for me? He has rescued me from a life of living for myself and being selfish. And as fulfilling as that is in the moment, it's not real life. It's not true life. There's no joy in selfishness, but there is in generosity. And this God who impoverished himself for my sake, Philippians chapter 2 in the New Testament tells us he emptied himself. That he gave up his divine prerogatives. He left his glory and he left everything he had in order to come to earth. And the reality is, materially, Jesus was impoverished. He was homeless most of his life. 
had barely nothing, grew up in an impoverished family. And yet he had this incredible joy and purpose and was himself generous and ultimately goes to a cross and dies on a cross in my place to take my selfishness and sin away from me and to give me what I'm most looking for, purpose and hope and joy. And in his generosity, it enables and inspires me to be generous. Now, unfortunately, I'll back up to this. Our health and wealth friends will look at this passage and say, see, Jesus wants to make you rich. And they'll say, you know what? If you give $100, Jesus will give you 1000 You give away a used car, he'll give you a new one. And so it goes. And we shake our heads, and we should, because that's not reality. Not only is it poor theology, it's just not reality. God's not like that. But God is like that. In the very real sense that he does bless us. And yes, sometimes when we're generous, he does give something back to us. Jamie and I have a journal that we call our rock pile, and it's a reference to um, the Old Testament, when the Israelite people crossed into the promised land, they built this rock pile to always remember what God had done for them in bringing them there. And so we call it our rock pile and we, we capture God things in our life. Like these people we've never met and who we probably will never know, giving our son and daughter-in-law, future daughter-in-law, a car to get them home. That was a pretty amazing God thing. And there are God stories that we have of us giving and receiving something back. God blessing us out of nowhere. A tax return that we didn't know was actually going to be a refund. Or this class action lawsuit against Google and we get $20,000. I'm just kidding. But, you know, just the weirdest stuff has come our way. And it's clearly been from the Lord. And it's been generosity expressed to us because we've been generous. Sometimes it plays out like that. But the spiritual riches that are being talked about here is just that, spiritual riches. He chooses to bless us. And yeah, sometimes he will bless us materially, but he always blesses us spiritually. So my friends, for you and for me, we have got to stop living with this poverty mentality that we have nothing to give, that we focus on what we don't have, Rather than we be faithful and generous with what we do have. And look what it does when we do that. He talks about this idea of equality. That there might be equality. The goal is equality. And it is written, the one who gathered much did not have too much. And the one who gathered little did not have too little. Again, a reference back to Exodus 16. And for those of you who know your Bibles, you know that in Exodus 16, God at this point has freed the people from Egypt. They're headed towards the promised land. They disobey over and over again, by the way. And they can't go into the promised land because God necessarily has to punish them. And so they're wandering in the desert all these years. And as they begin to wander, they begin to, here's a shocker, complain. They begin to complain, and they're complaining about, gosh, life was so good in Egypt. It was so great being enslaved and having no rights and being beaten and being humiliated and being shamed. And, but at least we had food to eat. I wish we could go back to Egypt. You ever do that? Of course you do, and sometimes I do too. We, we think about past brokenness and think, boy, that, well, that, maybe that wasn't so bad. And that's what they're doing. And so God, in his graciousness, he gives them something they don't deserve. He gives them meat in the evening. 
and manna in the morning. You, you remember some of that story? Quail come and, you know, they, they just, they literally cover the land and they have more meat than they can have. And then manna shows up in the morning. And this is pointing to the manna miracle, what he's referencing here. And so if you remember, the manna appears on the ground with the morning dew and they don't know what it is. They've never seen anything like it. And so in Hebrew, they call it, what is it? That's what manna means. That's what that word in Hebrew means is that's the root of it. What is it? Hey, did you have your what is it this morning? It's right there. Grab it, eat it, you're good. That's what manna means. But the manna miracle wasn't just the provision. And this is what Paul was referencing here in this allusion, in this direct reference back to it. The manna miracle was everyone had what they needed. Here's a question then for you. So did a family of two in the manna miracle have as much as the family of five? And the answer is no. Oh, no, no, no. The family of two had far less than the family of five. The miracle was they had what they needed. That was the miracle. And that what, that's what he's referencing here. If these other Jesus followers are suffering and struggling and hurting and you have the means to do something about it, you can and you should. And the same is, is true for us. When you and I begin to live like this, when we begin to look around and look at needs and see what we can do, what, what can we help with? How, how can we bless someone else? Man, it changes lives. It promotes justice. It brings the kingdom. It facilitates redemption. And it's not only something we do individually, it's something we do corporately as the church. Now, for those of you who are our guests, again, welcome. Love the fact that you're here. We hope that you become part of our community because you're a welcome addition to our community. But this is for those who are part of this community. This is a family discussion. This next part that you get to listen in on. So something that we've done as a family is we try to help wherever we can. And something that I've loved about this generosity series is so many of you are shining examples of what this is all about. You are a very generous community. I could name name after name after name. Even with this sermon, I could name tons of names of those of you who are in this room who are generous because you are as a community. And so by way of example, um, I don't know, several months ago, through our contacts with Gary Brashears, who's one of our elders here, and he's on the preaching team. You'll get to hear him preach next week. But Gary has some contacts in South Sudan. And South Sudan is a part of the world that has largely been forgotten, especially by the mainstream media. But there's civil war going on. And um, there's war between the South and North. And there's, there's war within tribes in the South. And there's conflicts between um, uh, townspeople and, herd, and herdsmen. And there's famine. And it's just, it's horrific. It's horrible. There's tremendous suffering. And so through a contact that we have through Gary, we found out that there was this one village that their church had been absolutely destroyed, obliterated in a storm that came through there, and the people were starving. And so we said, we'll see if we can help. And we took a special offering together, not unlike what Paul's talking about in this passage. And this is a picture of the food that came through your resources to this South Sudanese village. And literally, you saved the lives of an entire village of people. Yeah, that's pretty compelling. And again, that the point is not to pat ourselves on the back, but to 
worship God and to thank him for giving us the resources to help someone else. And this is part of what that whole equality reality looks like. This is the rebuilding of the church. It's getting a brick foundation this time instead of a clay and dirt one. And, um, you know, this is going to be a gathering place for for the church there, the community there, hopefully for a long time to come. But we're helping with that. I think that's pretty compelling. I see something like that and I think, yeah, I'm in. I'm willing to give to that. I'm willing to sacrifice for that. But it isn't just overseas. It's right here in our neighborhood. We believe, we genuinely believe that every person should have access to the hope that we sing about and celebrate every Sunday morning that we gather here. Everyone should have the choice, and it is their choice, but they should have the choice to know and love Jesus the way we do, to experience him as their Lord and Savior, to receive him into their lives. And so each year, we, we pray and seek the Lord together, and most years, we look to expand what it is that we're doing here unapologetically, because we want to do our part to introduce this community to Jesus Christ. And so our new budget year starts next month, and we have decided together that we're going to do a 1.9% increase, and there's a ton of stuff encapsulated in that. Um, but I want to call attention to just some of the things that we're doing that, that I believe are, are justice issues and values that, that are so important. And they're all means of generosity. The first is my father's house. And many of you are familiar with this, but this is a homeless shelter here in Gresham. Takes 40 families off the street and not only gives them shelter, but gives them jobs, job training, life skills, gives them opportunity to, to learn how to budget, manage resources. And yes, they do introduce them to Jesus and a number of them choose to follow the Lord. But eventually... These folks are able to have a fresh start back into the community. They have a success rate of 75%. My friends, that is light years beyond any government entity. And we get to be a part of it. This is a part of our, our budget and what we're increasing our resources for this year. Abuse Recovery Ministries is a ministry we have here at Grace. And this is for folks who are the abusers and for the folks who have been abused. And both groups are ministered to here through this ministry that we're able to have. And there's a number of folks who are part of our church family who have come through this ministry and been changed as a result. And we're one of the few that can, that can do this, house this ministry. Service County, you just heard about that from Jake and Becca in our highlights. But we gathered together with a number of area churches here. We invested over a thousand hours, a thousand people hours of work in one day for Service County with a bunch of the area schools and nonprofits. We're, we're pretty excited about this. That gives more resources for that. And then Immigrant Connection. We have a number of folks here in our county, in our community, in our church family who really want to put down roots here and truly live here as part of the community. So they want to get documentation for that, green cards or citizenship or what have you. And that process is so convoluted and so expensive. And it can take years and years and you can spend tens and tens of thousands of dollars and still not have anything to show for it. Immigrant Connection is something that was started by the Department of Justice. It's, it's resourced by our government, but it's designed to try to help untangle some of that and to make it more accessible and more understandable um, for folks to be able to get the documentation that they, that they need. And we give to that. And it's changing lives right here in our church and in the community. We think that's pretty important. This is just some of how we're trying to be even more generous as we head into this next fiscal year.
And so I will look you in the eye and tell you what I told you four months ago in June when we first considered this together. I believe in this. Jamie and I believe in this. We are looking to increase our giving in order to do this. And if you're able to, if you have the means to, we're asking you to consider doing the same. Maybe you don't, and that's okay. But if you can, will you join us? Because this is the vision that we're headed towards. And it's what Paul talks about in the next chapter that we just don't have time to look at. But he basically says, because of your generosity, because of what you've done, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Jesus Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and everyone else. I want to live a generous life. I hope you do too. And the reality is you can because his grace is the empowerment to do that. We're generous because Jesus has been generous to us. And as our worship team comes, the conclusion of the story I told you in the beginning because I didn't tell you all of it yet. So they gift Kylan and Emily with this Yukon. Kylan and Emily get a trailer to tow their, their, their dead car back here because they can't just leave it there in Wyoming. So they do that. But there's an agreement that they make with this couple who gives them the Yukon. And they said, we're going to give this to you to get you home. But when you get home, we then want you to gift it to someone who can benefit from it. And so I, I talked to this family who was gifting the Yukon because they found out that Kylan's dad was a pastor, and okay. So then I talked to our care team here at Grace, and they administer and, and um, uh, facilitate our resources that go to help people who have lost jobs, lost incomes, have health bills, whatever. And anyway, in talking with our care team, they identified a family here at Grace who, um, young family, couple kids, um, dad had just lost his job, was between jobs, health difficulties, relational difficulties, they had just totaled their car. They had no car for the family. Guess who got the Yukon? This family did. And it was life-changing for them. And they wrote this to me, and I wanted to share it with you as we prepare to worship together. Thank you, Pastor Jay, for you and the other pastor's leadership in stewarding the blessings of Grace Community. We love you all deeply and pray God would pour out his blessings on all of you. There are zero words capable of truly expressing the magnitude of our gratitude and appreciation. That is generosity. I want to be like that. And I hope you want that too. And you can because of what Jesus has done for you. So as we prepare to worship, off to the side we have communion. I want to encourage you, if the Spirit directs you to, go take communion. This is your time to respond to the Lord, to remember what he's done for you. But let's worship a God who is generous to us. Let's love him together. Let's sing. And how many promises does God keep? All of them. All of them. And one of the promises that we've looked at over the, scope, over the scope of this series really has been one of those promises is he will bless you if you are a blessing to others. And so often we think about our stuff, our money, our time, our relationships as ours rather than gifts from God that we manage for him. And he promises us that he will bless us if we are a blessing to others. He blesses us to bless us, yes, because he's such a great God, but he also blesses us to be a blessing to others. 
we would like to be that blessing relationally to you. There are some of you here, your your guests, it's your first time. Maybe you've been coming for a bit. We would love to meet you. All of us at one point were guests here. And, and we know that it can be a little difficult to break into community. We would love to extend that community to you. Right around the corner is our cafe. We have some folks in, in the back half of the cafe. As you walk in, it's really clearly marked. It's next steps, but they would love to meet you, buy you the caffeine of your choice and just welcome you and just extend some community. So we hope that you'll take advantage of that. And I'd like to leave you with these words out of Second um, Timothy. I actually know First Timothy. And this is really the last words that he gave um, to those under his care. And this was written by Paul to Timothy. This is what he said. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Catch this. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up a treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they can take hold of the life that is truly life. Life isn't found in being selfish and hoarding our stuff and treating it like it's our stuff. Life is found in being generous, in being giving, in loving, in reaching out to others. And that's what we're called to do. And that's what we can be because of what Jesus has done for us. So I'd like to pray his blessing over you. And just like we did last week with serving, I'm going to pray that he'll give you the opportunity to give to someone with whatever that looks like today or this week. Let's pray together. Lord, I pray for me and all of us that you will give us a chance to live out what we've heard this morning. You are a generous God. You've been generous towards us. That really is our identity. We are generous people. So help us to go live that out now, to believe that and to live it. Would you give us an opportunity today to be giving to someone? Or if it's not today, this week. And Lord, thank you for your goodness to us. We love you. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. And God's people said, amen. So go live for him and go be generous. Thank you for joining us for Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church here in Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net.